my dark friends, welcome to Dark Corners. I trust you are ready to listen to Curses, the sixth episode in Wraiths of the Appalachian. If you are just now realizing that this is not a standalone story, but rather one of many episodes in a continuing story, you're probably muttering your own curses. But don't be mad, it happens to the best of us. Well, maybe not the best of us. I mean, the best of us read the fine print. But don't be embarrassed. Just back out of the episode and scroll down the list and look for episode one for this series. That's it. Good luck. Okay, now that that's taken care of, let's get on with the episode. Chapter 6. Curses. Are you ready to talk? I believe you have questions. Eddie and Snarly Yow had crossed the state line into Tennessee several hours earlier after receiving directions from Mr. D about their next destination in a very brief conversation. Eddie had been reticent, brooding for most of the journey. When the music was interrupted by the familiar pop and scratchy static that always announced his radio guide, Eddie winced. Yeah, a few. Eddie took his host's silence as a signal to continue. Did you know I would see my dad last night? The future is always uncertain, but I thought it very possible. Were those other people in the lights also dead? Many of them, yes. And the others? There are many entities drawn to that area. Like those demon things in the red lights? Yes. What other kinds of entities are there? That is difficult to explain. Eddie took a deep breath and paused before asking another question. I could only hear some of those entities. And those that I could, it was really hard to make out. Except for my dad, at first. And then it seemed like I couldn't hear him either. What's up with that? Speaking to the living takes much energy, as does manifesting in visual form. It's rare for spirits to be able to do both. Why did my father choose that place to appear to me? It's taken you a while for you to be ready to see him. Eddie frowned as he considered what Mr. D had said. I could have seen him before last night? Before this trip? When I was younger? In theory, but... You weren't ready. So, when my dad said, I'm here, did he mean that he has been with me more than just last night? Yes. Tears welled in Eddie's eyes and his throat tightened. Is he always with me? Not always. There are many factors that influence such contact. Eddie considered Mr. D's response and the hundreds of other questions about the afterlife it evoked, but decided not to pursue that idea further, at least not for the present. He wiped his eyes while keeping one hand on the steering wheel, and when he spoke again, his tone was lighter, more conversational despite the subject of his question. Was I in any danger last night? No one is ever completely safe, Mr. D replied. Not in the wilderness, nor in the middle of a city. Not in a church, a temple, a fortress. Not even in one's home. Life is a fragile condition. Well, 
That's comforting. Mr. D did not respond to Eddie's sarcasm. But what I'm getting at is, could any of those spirit things hurt me? Possibly, but it was unlikely. Are you providing me with some extra protection? That's a complicated question, one that you may understand better later. But you do have a special protector by your side. Snarly Owl? Yes. And how about my dad? Him too. Eddie was quiet for a moment again before continuing. He felt he was receiving so much information that he was overwhelmed. He needed some time to consider what he was learning. But he also hated to waste any time while Mr. D was willing to talk. Are the places you've got planned for me to visit dangerous? Danger is everywhere. You know what I mean. Yes. The short response sent a chill through Eddie's body. But you can always go home anytime you wish. Right, Eddie said. They drove on in silence. Eddie pulled into the parking area so that the van faced a freshly painted red barn with white trim. On its side, the message, Welcome to Historic Bell Witch Cave Farm, was printed in large white letters. A tidy cabin with a large covered porch that seemed much too recent to be the same cabin from the legend sat across the gravel road. Another rustic wooden structure with a red tin roof behind the cabin displayed signs indicating that it was a museum and gift shop. Okay, we're here, Eddie said over the engine's idling rumble. Looks like the right place. What's next? Nothing came from the radio but the same talk show Eddie had found about twenty minutes earlier. When Mr. D failed to respond, Eddie cut the engine and opened his door. "'Guess we're on our own for this one, fella,' he said to Snarly Yow, who sat patiently and alert on the front passenger seat. Once Eddie was out of the van, the wolf dog bounded onto the empty driver's seat and down to the ground. "'Let's check these buildings and see if we can find someone who can tell us about the place.' Eddie's van was the only vehicle in sight which seemed odd for a business, even one as remote as the haunted farm and cave. Eddie circled the main cabin before stepping up onto the covered porch of the gift shop. The front door was securely locked, and the darkness within gave every sign that the shop and museum were closed for the day. Eddie glanced at his watch. Got an hour before it's supposed to be closed. Let's check out the main cabin a bit closer. From the porch of the cabin, Eddie could make out some shapes in the dim light as he peered into one of the two windows on either side of the front door. This one looks like it might be a bedroom. In the gloom, Eddie suddenly thought he could see someone standing beside a bed. He tapped on the window lightly and called out, Hey, excuse me. Hey there, are you open? The figure did not move and Eddie's skin crawled, giving him the sense that something was not right. They're dummies, the female voice made Eddie's heart leap into his throat. Tain't nobody here. Those are just mannequins for the tourists. Eddie stepped over to the rail to speak to the woman who had addressed him. She eyed Snarly Yow warily, but the wolf dog did not growl or assume a threatening posture. He just stood beside Eddie with his ears pointed up and his eyes intently focused on the woman in black. When Eddie saw her concern and noted for himself that Snarly seemed to be unalarmed with the situation, he said, He's fine. It's just his size that worries people. People around here are a bit leery of big black dogs, especially ones like that. 
Nice, cool, Eddie said, putting his hand on Snarly's head as he prayed silently that his words were true. Noting the woman's long skirt and dark hair that was pulled back into a severe bun on her neck, he asked, Do you, um, work here? I was hoping I could get a look inside, find out a little about the Bell Witch. The woman's eyes tightened before she spoke. No, I live over yonder. She waved vaguely at an area across the parking lot. The owners keep their own hours in spite of what the signs say. Open and close whenever they feel like it. Eddie nodded. Plenty of folks still interested in the legend of the witch. Eddie saw that she continued to look at Snarly with uncertainty. He continued to pet the hound in an attempt to reassure her that he and the dog would both stay up on the porch. Always have been, she added. I really don't know much about the story, Eddie said. Just uh, saw the signs and thought I'd check it out. He and the woman stared at each other. To break the awkwardness, Eddie added, So there's a cave around here somewhere? The woman nodded and pointed down the gravel road to where it narrowed and disappeared into the trees. There's a path that leads down towards the river that'll take you to the cave. Is it worth seeing? For a moment, Eddie didn't think the woman would answer. Finally, she nodded. Yes, I think it might be. But better take you a good lantern. The tunnels go on for miles and miles. Images of the goblin creature disappearing into the cave near Brown Mountain flashed through Eddie's mind. Is it haunted? The woman squinted at Eddie. What isn't? Eddie smiled, although he found the woman's response chilling. Good point. We might have to see what's down there. What do you say, Snarly? He looked down at the wolf dog who wagged his tail twice. When Eddie looked back up, the woman was gone. Hello? Eddie called. He gripped the wooden rail before him and leaned over it to look both ways. Ma'am? He descended the steps that led into the yard around the cabin with Snarly Owl following closely. Looking both ways, he turned to the right and rounded the cabin to stop and survey the scene. The museum sat still and quiet with no one in view. Where'd she go? Snarly simply looked back at Eddie, waiting to see where his human companion would go next. Eddie turned in a circle and then walked back to where he had started. Well, guess we might as well see this cave since we're here. Must have been brought here for a reason. Eddie locked the van after retrieving his flashlight, some extra batteries, and his jacket. A sign at the head of the gravel trail where the woman had pointed marked it as the way to the famed Bell Witch Cave. A pleasant walk under a canopy of trees soon brought them to a set of rough stone steps with a wooden handrail leading down a steep incline to the mouth of a cave. Eddie felt like he should duck his head, but actually found that the ceiling did allow for a few inches of clearance even when he was standing straight up. About thirty feet into the entrance, a sturdy metal latticework resembling the front of an old prison cell would have blocked their way, but the gate to the structure stood open. Eddie paused briefly and then, putting on his jacket, continued into the darkened cave, mindful to avoid the steady stream of water that ran along the cave floor. Snarly, having no such aversion to the water, stopped to stand in it and lapped noisily with the sounds echoing around them. After walking a short way through the tunnel entrance, Eddie came to a more spacious part of the cave. His flashlight showed a cable strung along the roof of the tunnel connecting a system of lights that would have illuminated the cave for paying tourists. The walls and columns looked wet, 
and the air was damp and cool, which triggered a memory from Eddie's youth of the cellar in his grandmother's home. Wow, hadn't thought of that in years, he thought. Only went there a handful of times. Eddie shined his light around his surroundings and marveled at the natural haunting beauty of the cave. The knobby white growths protruding up from the cave floor and on ledges of the walls formed by the slow dripping of mineral deposits looked like ghosts, faceless heads and shoulders rising eerily from a soupy bog. Over the course of the cave's centuries-long existence, the water had left no sharp edges on the large rock formations. Eddie felt like he was walking in a museum of surreal and expressionistic sculptures and wished that he had searched for the master switch that would have turned on all the lights so that he could get the full effect rather than seeing only what the singular beam of light revealed. I suppose I should be grateful to be getting my own free tour, even if it is unfortunately self-guided. A loud clanging that came from behind Eddie made him jump. He followed the sound back through the entrance tunnel to find that the gate had slammed shut. He pushed it, but it did not open. He and Snarly were locked in. Hey, anybody out there? My dog and I are in here. Can you let us out? No answer. Hello? We're locked in. Can somebody please let us out? Silence. Eddie shook the gate violently and yelled again for help, but it held strong with no answer from outside. Damn it! Should have put a rock or something here to hold the gate open. At least that might have let people know that someone was in here. He squatted in front of Snarly and rubbed the wolf dog's face and ears. Well, if I gotta be trapped in a creepy cave, I'm glad you got trapped in here with me. A high-pitched giggle echoed from the depths of the cave behind them along with the pattering of small, bare feet. Snarly gave a quick huff and darted into the darkness of the tunnel back toward the large chamber they had just left. Snarly, no! Come back, boy! The sound of the wolf dog's paws diminished until Eddie couldn't hear anything but his own breathing. Eddie jogged through the tunnel, splashing in the stream as he made his way back into the chamber. He frantically directed the beam of his light around the room but saw no sign of the dog. Another tunnel led out of the chamber on the far side, and Eddie sighed as he realized that he would have to see where it led. A smothering anxiety wrapped itself around Eddie as the walls of the tunnel narrowed forcing him at one point to turn sideways to squeeze through in order to make progress. He wished he'd thought to bring his lantern since that would have thrown more light around him. As it was, he could only see what the beam illuminated, leaving him to imagine all sorts of spiders and bugs dropping on him from the damp walls and ceiling. Finally, the passage opened again, and he found himself in another large chamber. Snarly? Nothing. Only the sound of dripping water falling into an invisible pool somewhere in the darkness. Eddie slowly searched the room with his light and sensed a large shape looming to his left. Darting his light at it, he saw a frozen, devilish face grinning at him, mocking him. The carved rock sat atop a large boulder that resembled, with a slight push of imagination, an oversized torso. As Eddie studied it closer, he imagined that tour guides might refer to the sharp jutting chin and narrow eyes as an image of the Bell Witch herself. Whoever she might have been, Eddie thought, somebody had to have carved it. That couldn't have happened naturally, could it? A slow search of the rest of the room 
revealed an odd placement of rocks that vaguely suggested an open rectangular box. As Eddie approached, he saw that something lay within the border of stones. When he got closer, his scalp tingled as he realized that the arrangement contained human bones. They nearly filled the space within the stone box, but Eddie could tell that this once must have been a grave made for a child. But why is it above ground? And why not make a real casket, even a wooden one? As Eddie studied the bones a bit closer, his flashlight flicked off and he was thrown into darkness blacker than anything he had ever known. He hit the flashlight against the heel of his hand, but it would not come back on. Trying not to think about where he was or what was right beside him, Eddie sat down on the cold clay floor and fumbled in the pockets of his jacket for more batteries. He removed the two batteries that had been in the light and put them on the ground beside him so as not to confuse them with the new ones. It wasn't hard to make the change in the dark, he'd replaced them so many times before, but his hands trembled so that he dropped one of the fresh batteries and then knocked it away as he fumbled trying to catch it. For Christ's sake, get a hold of yourself, he thought as he searched the immediate area on his hands and knees. I've got to have two batteries for this to work. He gripped the flashlight with one hand and patted the ground in front of him with the other. The hard clay felt muddy and he knew he would be a nasty mess when he finally got out of the cave. If I ever get out of the cave. Something gripped his outstretched hand. Eddie gasped and yanked his hand back. Such a handsome boy, whispered a low feminine voice, and Eddie felt the soft breath on his ear. fix now, isn't he? I can't imagine what might be worse than being in a pitch black cave with spirits that not only talk to you in the darkness, but touch you. But you know what is cool to listen to in the dark? Any of the eerie soundtracks created by Mombi Yulman, whom I sure as you know by now, wrote the music that inspired this whole series. You can stream the music for free, but you can also purchase any of the albums for a very reasonable price if you want to be something other than a tight-fisted old cheapskate. But you can listen for a while first. Just eventually, well, you know. And speaking of tight-fisted old cheapskates, as long as you're loosening the strings on that money purse, and what are you doing carrying a money purse for crying out loud? You can find a book or two to buy at davidallenvoyles.com, my official website. There's other stuff on there, too. I forget what all at the moment. Okay, enough of the sales pitches. Take care, and I'll see you again soon in the dark corners. <laughs>